So we're starting this new series called The Unlesses of Christ. And so if you know how to spell English better than I do, then you'll know that the word unlesses is not a word, but it's kind of the, the pluralized version in the John Boutros uh, dictionary of the word unless, because Jesus says unless a bunch of times. And so we figured maybe we should look, look at these. Um, occasionally, you know, you, you, you get this opportunity to just zone out from your work or, or school or whatever it is that you're doing sort of full time um, and find a quiet moment to be with God. I remember in my past life, I was a doctor and um, or a resident, really. Um, and uh, when I discovered that all hospitals have chapels, I was like over the moon because I'd be so busy rushing and running from one thing to the next and this and that and emerge in the operating room and the clinic and right. And then all of a sudden <laughs> I found that that on my way running from one thing to another, I could just pop in usually nobody there pop in for a moment and have just a moment of quiet and then run back out into the madness. And then occasionally sometimes I'd have enough time to just sit sit there for two minutes or five minutes or or more and it was uh is is a real it was a real privilege um uh and sometimes i'd sit there in those quiet moments i realized i tend to be the most genuine with god because i don't have time to get into all the fanfare of religiosity you know so i tend to be just really honest and i remember asking god a question um asking him what what is it really take to get to heaven right um and i'm not the first person to ask that question different people ask jesus that question in different ways in luke 13 somebody said to him lord are there few who are saved i'm sure it's a question that all of us would ask jesus answered him strive to enter through the narrow gate for i say to you many will seek to enter many i say to you will seek to enter and will not be able so um Jesus answers his question. But if we look a little bit earlier in the chapter, they're telling Jesus about some current events and this tower fell and a bunch of people died. And they're talking about those people who died, you know, what happened to them and this and that. And Jesus turns to them in Luke 13, says, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And he says it twice in verse three and in verse five, unless you repent you will all likewise perish. We just spent the whole season leading up to Easter talking about repentance and the life of purity. So I'm not going to restart that, that series again, but it kind of triggered something in my head that I've heard Jesus say unless before. This isn't the first time he says unless, and it seems like this is like, this is like important. You know, uh, uh, in, I don't know, in the high school I grew up in, right, or went to school at, they, the teachers would like say, hint, hint, right? And that would mean like, this is on the exam, right? That means this is important, pay attention, right? So I've kind of learned, like when Jesus says, unless, like, that's like, like all the other stuff is important, but this is like really important, like pay attention to this, right? So... What is it when he says repentance? We were talking about this all in the pe previous series. So again, I promise I'm not going to, you know, kind of um, uh, rehash all of that. But repentance is really a change 
of mind, a change of, of, of how you see something. I previously used to think it was okay to, but now I realize that that's probably not a good idea and I don't want to do that anymore. I've had a change of mind, a change of perspective, a change of point of view, which should lead to a change in behavior at some, at some degree, a change of life, of how I live my life and repentance is resurrection in the life of a Christian because it's repentance is going from sin to holiness. So it's, it's you know, and, and, and re resurrection is going from death to life. So repentance really is the day-to-day -day living out of, of the resurrection of Christ. But this change of perspective, you know, sometimes it's almost like we're looking at something and we see clearly the negative of it, like the opposite of it. And sometimes we get so used to seeing, like sometimes we get so used to seeing what isn't there or seeing what ought to be there that we, in our mind, that becomes the norm. Like I'll give you an example again, sorry for my past life. You know, I, I, I probably look at, I don't know, 5, 10, 15, 20 x-rays, CT scans a day, right? So you look at an, I, I look at an x-ray. When you ask me what does a chest x-ray look like, if I had any capacity to draw, this is what I would draw. But this is actually the negative of the x-ray. Like this is not, you know, like, you know, when you, when you take a picture, like if we go back to, back to the one here, like this is, this is the negative of this, of this picture, right? You know, back in the day, I know I'm dating myself. There were cameras that actually had like film in them, you know, before the digital era, right? And that you could get, you know, you take your film to the shop and they would, they would process your film and they would develop your pictures. And if you wanted to develop more of them, you could get the negatives and you hold them up, right? And you look at them, you look at them in the light and they're basically everything that's black is white. Everything that's white is black. So you can reconstitute the image because you know what it's supposed to look like. But you get used to looking at, you got used to looking at that for so long that that becomes normal to you. And were you to see the positive or the normal, you think that was weird, right? You know, if, if sometimes, you know, there are some things like, like, like vague tumors and stuff that are easier to see on the positive. So we would flip this to the inverse. Everything that's black becomes white and everything is white. And when I look at that, it's so weird. Why? Because I'm so used to looking at this. We're so used to a world where, where unholiness is normal, where selfishness is normal, that I need to have that, I need to have that change of perspective, that change of mind to, 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 to regain what St. Paul calls the mind of Christ. So we're going to talk about that in something very specific, like in terms of how, how we understand Jesus's teachings about quote unquote, what it takes to get to heaven, right? So we don't understand it at all as what it takes to get to heaven, but we, we see it that way. Like oftentimes we would call it that because we're so used to a world where bad people are supposed to get punished and good people are supposed to get rewarded. So you can work it backwards. You can see, okay, 
that person, that good person got rewarded and they got a Ferrari. I want a Ferrari. So what do I have to do to get a Ferrari? Well, what did that good guy do to get a Ferrari? Well, he did this and this and this. So maybe if I do this and this and this, I'll get a Ferrari too. Like it's logical, right? And we live in this world where, where we think that everything functions by what you do is what you get you know, or what you sow is what you reap, or what goes around comes around. But God is not like that at all. God is the polar opposite of that. God delights in giving you what you don't deserve and not giving you what you do deserve. I deserve to burn in hell for sure, guaranteed, right? He delights in not giving me that. And there's no way and there's nothing in the world that I'm going to be able to do to deserve the kingdom. But he delights to give it to me. And what we're going to be seeing through this series is not just to give it to me later, but to give it to me now. To give me, to begin my kingdom life here and now. So I'm going to encourage you to try, to try to, 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 to accept that the way we see things may not be the way God sees them. And when he says, my ways are higher than your ways, he means it. And when he says, God does not see as a man sees, man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart, he means it. He means that his estimation of things, his measurement of things is different from ours. I'm measuring with a meter stick, he's measuring with something else. There's something else he's measuring. I'm measuring my goodness versus my badness, and I put them both in the scales, and I see how's that going to play out. He's measuring something completely different, but he is measuring. He is measuring, right? And that's why he says, unless da 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 da, you ain't going to see the kingdom. Unless da 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 da. So let's look at a few of them. And we're not going to be able to look at all of them in the series, but we'll cover, we'll cover a handful of them. For I say unto you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 5 and Matthew 6. If you do not forgive, the, if you do not is, is the same Greek word as unless. So there's a couple of if you do nots. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. Matthew 18, they're just in order as they are in scripture. Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. And I tried not to duplicate the ones that come up in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. That's why that will go straight to John. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. John 12, most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. John 13, Jesus washing his disciples' feet and St. Peter tells him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not or unless I wash you, you have no part with me. John 15, abide in me and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. If anyone does not abide in me, that's like the unless, he is cast out as a branch and is withered and they gather them up and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Seems pretty clear. 
that Jesus has a real clear line in the sand. Jesus isn't like warm and fuzzy and huffy fluffy. He has a line in the sand and he knows where it is and he's telling us where it is. So this series is kind of saying maybe we should pay attention to where the line in the sand is. There's some other examples that aren't quite unless, but they're very similar in character. And we're going to see in a minute what their similarity between the two is. There's Jesus tells a bunch of parables where somebody gets the boot, somebody gets kicked out. So a guy comes into a wedding without a wedding garment, he gets the boot. There, there's a bunch of virgins that come, you know, they're kind of like, they're, they're kind of like the entourage for a wedding, right? Uh, and uh, some of them run out of oil and they come knocking on the door and they're not let in, right? There is the unforgiving servant. His master forgives him the equivalent of $100 million and then he can't forgive his, his fellow servant for about $5, throws him in prison. The master pulls him in and says, if you can't forgive him, then I'm going to throw you out. So another unless the wise and faithful servant. The master goes to a far country, leaves his goods in the possession of his, his chief steward or his chief you know, servant, and he tells him to divide up, you know, every, give everybody their salaries on time and give everybody their food you know, and everything and so on and so on. So <laughs> Jesus says, who then is that wise and faithful master, a steward? If, if, he, if the master comes and finds that the steward has been faithful, he'll reward him. But if he comes and finds that the, uh, that the uh, uh, steward was uh, making a mess of things, he will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. Sounds like scary stuff. God uh, gives another, Jesus gives another parable, says that um, a, a master leased out his, um, leased out his, his vineyard to vine dressers so that they could give him their fr its fruit in its season, give him the, the wine in its time, right? And when they didn't, again, so there's all these unlesses, right? The parable of the talents gives five talents to one guy, two to another, one to the last. The guy with five doubles it. The guy with two doubles it. The guy with one says, you know what? I don't know. I don't know how this is going to go, right? And he just hangs on to it. And when his master comes back, he gives him back the talent as it is, right? And the master says, you know, you wicked and lazy servant, right? And he sends him to hell. This is, this is, like, this is like some pretty critical stuff. Like, so if you ask me, quote unquote, what does it take to get to heaven? I'd probably give you some fuzzy, unclear answer. But Jesus seems to have a very clear idea in his mind, right? And he's telling us. So maybe, maybe this whole series is maybe we should pay attention. If you notice all of these things, all of these things are things that people didn't do rather than things that people did do. If you notice, like the guy with the talent, he didn't invest it. Like the master says to him, at least you could have put it in the bank and it would have gotten the interest rate. You know, at least you could have done something, but you did nothing. So they're all, the, 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 the five foolish virgins didn't have extra oil. So their lamps went out. And then when the master came, they weren't ready. So these are all not things that people did wrong. They're things that we people were supposed to do. They just didn't do them. So this is like I'm colloquializing or I'm using kind of common, the common language to say 
These are things that people didn't do. These are things that people omitted to do. Oftentimes we call these sins of omission rather than sins of commission. Stealing, murder, adultery are sins of commission. You're doing bad stuff. Jesus did mention a few, a few sins of commission that were punishable by hellfire, but not many. The overwhelming majority of the things he talked about were sins of omission. So it doesn't seem like God is, Jesus is too fussed. I don't want, don't generalize this like to say like, like Jesus doesn't care what you do. He's only worried about what you don't do because that, that's not right and it's not true. But hello, <laughs> mine actually. <laughs> um, right? Don't don't generalize this that sins of commission are not are not important. But it seems like the sins of omission don't really get nearly enough airtime. It seems like Jesus cares a whole lot more about those things. I was hungry and you did not feed me. I was thirsty and you did not give me to drink. Jesus is really, really good at overlooking our faults. But he wants us to make good on the investment that he's invested in us. And I'm, I, I, my, my concern, you want to know what my biggest fear is? Was I was in a small group. 2010 and we were reading john ortberg's book um, if you want to get out of water you have to step out of the boat and he has discussion questions one of the discussion questions what's your greatest fear i had never thought about it and so everybody's kind of talking about their fears and i was sort of towards the middle end and i so i had some time to think and then when it came to my turn so you know what i think my greatest fear is actually missed opportunity I think my greatest fear is missed opportunity. So maybe I'm projecting a bit of myself into this talk. You know, maybe this isn't completely unbiased, right? But we'll all make mistakes. God knows we make mistakes and he's made provision for that. But if, if we neglect to care, to make good on the investment he's invested in us, that's a big deal. That's a big deal. He's made repentance and confession and communion and a whole, a whole very simple streamlined, quick and easy process to deal with sins of commission, to deal with any sin, really. But the trouble with sins of omission is that we don't pay attention to them. We deny them. Like, I don't pay attention to the, to the guy on the street, so thus I don't feed him so thus, I didn't do the commandment because I just, I've, I've learned, I see him every day and every day I don't have time to do, any, to, to, to do anything. So every day I walk by him like he doesn't exist. So I've learned, I've learned how to just, you know, I've learned how to, how to block that stimulus, you know? It's almost like, it's almost like Jesus has taken the world the way we see it and turned it on its head. It's almost like we're staring at the negative of a photo. 
rather than at the positive. Not the negative like the bad things, but the example I was giving earlier, you know, where all the colors are inverted, right? Maybe God sees us completely differently than how we see ourselves and how we see the world. Maybe that's why his measure is completely different. Maybe it's not all about the good things we've done or the bad things we've done, but about all the things that we haven't done. Jesus says, unless we have a change of mind, we will also perish. So pray with me that during this series, this is just the intro, during this series, by taking a couple of Jesus's unlesses a week, we can kind of dissect away a little bit. What is it, what is it that is so important to his heart? And what, what is the fluff? And make sure that we've put our investment in the right place. He's invested in us. What does he want us to be investing ourselves in? Glory be to God forever and ever, man. Today's just the intro. Um, we've been trying to restart the Sunday series for like two or three weeks, but the, something keeps coming up. So we figured, I figured, let's just start and then, you know, we'll carry on. So today is the intro and we'll, uh, and, and we'll uh, start with the first full session next week. Let's stand and pray. Name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for giving us very clear and straightforward teaching, Lord, about what it is that's really important in life. Please, Lord, help us to lay hold, Lord, of what's truly important, what truly counts, what truly matters. Help us to measure with your measuring stick. Help us to see the way you see. Give us that change of mind, that change of heart, that change of perspective. Give us, give us to be able, Lord, to appreciate the things you appreciate for the reasons that you appreciate them. In your mighty name we pray, Lord, through the intercessions and prayers of all your saints, the prayers of my beloved fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters gathered here. Hear us, Lord, as we pray to your Father who art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. This is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread.